Someday when the team's up against it, brakes are beating the boys. Ask them to go in there with all they've got. Win just one for the Kipper. 202 and counting. Saturday morning, high atop the west side. Let's pump up the team for tonight. Big game, huge game. Huge game. Let it rip, Phillies. Come on, babies. It be you. All right, here we are, high atop on a Saturday morning show. Had some technical difficulties. ESPN is down. Good morning, everybody. When ESPN ESPN is down, that's my breathing apparatus, okay? So you take that away from me, and this kid's in trouble. Uh, so uh, we've patched together the, the best we can. I don't, I don't know what's up with ESPN. Missed my sidekick, uh, Chad, and uh, we're also in the works trying to put together a show with uh, Big Ray, who's busy controlling the meat uh, markets all around America, and Coach Al. So we'll, we'll get that together. Uh, so uh, before we get started with the, uh, let's let's use the term dreadful Phillies loss, because in the second inning, you have a, a, things happen that are not common to the game, and uh, it's what makes baseball such a, an amazing, wonderful, bizarre, maybe I haven't seen it before, uh, but you will see it if you watch it long enough game. It, it just, other sports don't have the twist, turn, oddities, nuances, idiosyncrasies, and bizarre. You just can't do it. You it, it only happens on a baseball field. Right? Think about it. How much can go crazy on a basketball court? What's the ball going to do? Get stuck on the top of the, the backboard and sit there? No. Uh, I mean, it's bizarre when a basketball gets stuck between the rim and the backboard. I was like, oh, my God, look at that. But in baseball, the quirks and everything that presents itself, you just have the stage set for, you know, bizarre things. and, and or, or plays, I should say, more so than, this, you know, the impact of the stadium. Um in the second inning, you have an easy throw to first base error by bomb. Can't happen there. It just can't can't stamp it. Can't happen. Period. Not there. Not postseason. Not in that game. But then our pitcher, who did a nice job pitching, by the way, we'll get into that a little bit. Sanchez forgets the outs. I mean, if there's something you stamp inexcusable. You stamp that. I mean, at any level. <laughs> I started in T-ball as far as the kids remembering the outs. The kids had a, in T-ball had a meeting with the parents. True story. Kids were showing up at game time. I said, I know it's T-ball, and we're not going to play to win. It's not, like, real yet and all that stuff. But I ask you parents to get the kids here half hour before game time. It's a good habit to get into moving forward for the rest of their baseball careers. Get them here. And the parents are like, the next day, all the vans pull up half hour before game time. And these little five-year-olds come sprint out to the field. My wife is like, look at this. You're nuts. But just certain things that you teach. And you teach early, you got to know the game. Read the scoreboard, know where you are, and certainly know the outs. Know the pitch count, right? I mean, you ever see a situation where four umpires in professional baseball lose the pitch count? And a guy uh, walks, and it's only three three balls. Yeah, it's happened many times in baseball. You have four umpires 
All right, controlling the pitch count, and they lose it. The awareness, there's just no excuse for it. So Sanchez, inexcusable. And, of course, pass ball JT has a situation. He lets one get passed. That doesn't happen with JT. I mean, we're so spoiled by his unbelievable glove work and blocking skills. But stuff does happen. So now you have a bogus run that if you cultivate that baseball mind we talk about, you kind of know that one run is going to channel through the whole game. You know it's going to come back to haunt you, don't you? Sure you do. You know Arizona's not going to put up 13 runs. It's not going to be a 13-9 game. You know it's going to be close at Arizona. And you're thinking, oh, we just gifted them one, and that, that'll be a problem. Well, sure enough, when you look at the final score and you say, yep, it is, damn if it's not a one-run game. But in the macro sense, because I've got some nice feedback. Hey, thanks for a few people that said, I hope you're feeling better, very kind. Uh, a couple people say constructive, and I always love constructive feedback. You never have to say constructive. Do you want, you know, just lay it out there. And uh, I was told by a couple of people, I'm drifting away from the mic. Exactly right. Thank you. Because I look over at my, my, uh, my, my grids and data sheets, and that takes me away from the mic. So uh, I work on that. Slow down. I'm going to work on that. <laughs> and uh, speak clear. All right. So that's... Uh, <laughs> I'll do my best. Thank God nobody said get last names right. Thank you for that. A uh, few people ask why I'm not talking asking uh, on the Eskin show anymore. Yeah, I was a calculated decision. Enough was enough. It, basically, I felt that he was uh, unprofessional in our en- engagements, and uh, I've been calling there for 15 years on Saturday mornings, and um, so the show's over, and I've moved it to the daily uh, the morning show with Joe and the guys, and. Um, it's nice. I get through right away. They uh, respect my whatever I bring to the table for baseball, and uh, they're happy to have me call, and uh, they put me right through. Bingo. No wait. And uh, it's better received, and it's better exchanged, and they let me get a point out, and uh, I don't get hung up on. So it's plus, 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 plus. So it's all good. That's why I've switched over. I got a few texts. We look forward to you on Saturdays. I look forward to Saturdays, too. But enough had to be enough at a point. When I had a client say, I think the guy's kind of stripping your dignity each week, uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I, well, I kind of knew that. But I, I, the one thing it taught me, Colin Eskin, I'll share this with you. In business, you can get caught flat-footed. You know, client, angry client, we don't have many of those, but maybe a new client doesn't understand the pedigree culture. But when you're used to live radio, and a big audience, and you're caught flat-footed. You don't have any prep time. You can't say, hey, can you hold on while I research that or, or, or organize my thoughts? It's instantaneous response. If you do enough of that, when someone's kind of beating you up, you get better at it. And I think it's really, seriously, I've had this conversation with my family, helped me tremendously in business, to be quicker, nimble, and uh, more responsive, and be able to, at times, wiggle out of a jam. You, you do get jammed up on, on live radio. You do it. I think everybody should do it because trust me, when you first start uh, embarking with live radio, your blood pressure will, will spike. Okay. You'll feel it. when, when you hear that static and you're up and you hear Chuck from Cherry Hill, it's a different ball game. I'm now used to it and I, I slow the game down. I'm, I'm calm, but there's times where it's hairy. It's good for everybody. Give it a try. Enough about that. So we talked about the Phillies offense disappearing on the road. Uh, I told you about the poll that we did. 
and I was on the side of 180, 180 drastic 180 change. Oh, the meter's running quick. Um, so the Phillies now eight hits, three hits. Add them up, 11 divided by two, 5.5 hits. That's a drastic departure from what we had at the bank, right? I predicted that. I said the offense will go cold on the road. Tough park, bigger park. What do we mean by bigger park? So you want sheer dimensions. I won't bore you with all, all the dimensions. But what happens, I think it's called Chase Field. I may be wrong on that. Tommy will correct me. And by the way, thank you very much. Uh, my co-producers, Tommy and, and uh, Bobby Bunny, uh, they're in our sports room for feeding me some data today with, with the ESPN down. I was in sheer panic when I woke up. And uh, these guys really helped nurse me along today to get me somewhat prepared. But the dimensions are uh, off center field. The The field um, is big. It's like 413, 409 dead, 413 to each side. Power alleys are rounded up to like 380 versus 370 at the bank. The bottom line is if you measure all the grass in the outfield, there's more grass, okay, at that field than at home. So it's a bigger outfield. Um, and that's a different thing for outfielders as to where to be, how far they go back, range to the wall, reading the warning track versus the wall. The bigger thing when you're away, we learned this even in amateur sports. I always used to have my outfielders go out to a new park especially the one up at the Bronx, man. Never forget that. Don't get me started on the Bronx when we played the 14-year-olds. We were 12, get ready for the World Series, and the trains were going on by the field, the whole game above the elevated subway in uh, Pelham Park. Oh, my God, don't get me started. But we took the outfielders uh, out there to look at the dimensions because it, it had all those little nooks and crannies and angled walls. What a cool softball stadium. Oh, my God. And uh, sure enough, we got some ricochets at one, you know, dead left. And we have to run the ball down 50 feet if we weren't backing it upright. But we were, and we swept the doubleheader up in the Bronx playing the 14 uses, 12 years. That was cool. So the Phillies run-wise here, segueing back. One run, five runs divided, added up, six divided by two, three. So what do we have? This prolific offense at the bank is now a 5.5 hits average. Three-run average through two at Chase. Hmm. Somebody said that it would be a 180. Yeah, boy, because I've seen it a million times. That's all. Because I'm 70, and I've watched baseball now for 60 years, starting with my dad at eight. All right? And uh, and I've seen it. And I've seen it with this team, by the way. The hot, cold, Jekyll, hideness of this team. And there's one thing about being so prolific at home that when you take that act to the road and you're missing the 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 fan reaction and the energy from the fans it can have a dramatic impact so you always have the away factor gallon tonight is going to have a two point better era in his home park than he does away i'll round off 2.50 versus like 4.50 he's not so special on the road so maybe i should not have referred to him as a nightmare i did say that and i was wrong on the road but 2.50 at home and like a 13-3 record something like that is a nightmare the reason i round these numbers and keep going is it will slow the show down for me to go get the actual data points and give it to you and i don't think the listeners which is growing like crazy thank you so much i don't think you really care if I round his ERA to 2.5 and it's really 2.62, I don't think you give a rat's behind, right? But he is a nightmare at home. And yes, we could have concerns about tonight's game. Yes, we know Wheeler's pitching. 
How about this little trivia that'll win you the water cooler uh, stat of the day? Wheeler is better on the road uh, by a full ERA point, which is uh, not something I expected to see, but thank you very much again, Tommy and Bobby. Um, I'm going to give a hats off major uh, shout out here today, man. I got to, I got to get hustled because uh, time, I'm not going to get under the gun today at 20 uh, because I want to, I have to cut. I would be derelict in my duties if I did not give you a few really cool things about the Houston, Texas game. That was a top 10 all time postseason epic. Don't use the word epic when it's just good or great. Epic is beyond great. Epic is one of a kind. Epic is when there's two three-run homers that change the juxtaposition of the game. That's epic. Epic is a baseball brawl. Epic is when you have two veteran managers like Bruce Botti and uh, and Dusty Baker going at it during the brawl, uh, jawing with each other, and then watching Dusty Baker hold court with the the uh, Hoy, the uh, chiefest uh, umpire in chief. Once he's kicked. Okay, he threw his hat. He said it was the manest he's ever been, and he's in the dugout holding court with the umpire-in-chief, and the umpire-in-chief has his arms full just listening to Baker's respect right there. Baker's going off on him. Man, he is going off on him. I was hoping he didn't have a stroke. And the home plate umpire just listened, the whole, and he gave him all the time he wanted to make his point. That's respect, man, for a guy who's earned it in the game New love affair with Dusty Baker. I used to be critical because of the lineups he made in Washington where he had Harper batting fifth. It was ridiculous, like like it's ridiculous for Baum to be batting fourth. I sent the data out to the, the fine wine group. Something like Cassiano's seven extra base hits in postseason has yielded seven RBIs. Five home runs, two doubles, seven extra base hits, seven RBIs from that. And that terrific run production then we looked at Baum's RBIs in back of two 500 hitters, and he had four. So if you're, if you're struggling to understand why Casty should be fourth and Baum out of there, there you go, okay? There's a guy downstairs with seven extra base docks and seven RBIs out of it. That's absolutely pathetic. It's below par value. Move them up where you have two 500 on base guys, and, you know, Lord knows what the outcome would have been. But the hats off of the day goes to uh, the guy that I picked on all season long, Kyle Schwarber. And I want to tell you something. Last night to get on base four times, two walks, home run, double. That's one thing. Now, do I think he's batting in the right spot? He's technically not batting in the right spot. I'll win that debate if anybody ever comes on this podcast to, to take the opposite position. You know, hey, study up, load up. Get the full clip, bring a lunch, and come on the podcast, and 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 you'll be eating part of that lunch. That's awfully bold, isn't it? But I can back that up. He should never, ever bat lead off. He's absolutely utopia for Harper fit. Got some pushback on the protection thing. I'll get into protection on a whole show someday, but it trust me, it works. And if you've got the book that says it doesn't work, burn it. Use it as kindling for your fireplace. Because I'll tell you what else that book also said at one point, that a strikeout versus an out are no different. Than strike. But if you if you ground out the second and knock in a run and grounding out, it's the same as, it's a wash to the value of a strikeout. That theory was very popular 10 years ago too. Uh, 
it's not just the protection, folks. It's also what you do, as I said on the radio yesterday. It's what you do in the lineup, how you're stacked for run production. That's the point. But when Harper gets 17 balls the other night, it wasn't much better last night. Let me ask you a question. Would you pitch to Harper? Answer, did I hear you say no? Of course you said no. All right, we get a little worked up here and fired up, get my Irish ass gone here. So we got to protect them better, and that's not going to be ball. Now, you know, eventually Baum's going to break out and have a three-hit game. We're all going to go, hey, he had two hits last night. Okay, neither one of them should have happened, okay? The, the outfielder stays in his tracks for three seconds, and the play should have been made at the plate. Now, he puts the ball in play. I reviewed it six times, and I got a foul ball. Now, I know the rule. It's over the bag. I get all that. Straight line to heaven. I got all that. After doing that, I'm going to tell you what. If, I'll say this much. If they had called that foul, you would not have had a hell of a lot of argument. It may not have been overruled, but they called it fair. Good for us. The throw home, come on, Marino, whatever your name is, you got to make that pick, buddy. That's a play that JT makes in his sleep routinely. It's about this ruling. Give me an example of a ruling like we saw last night. Base hit for bomb error for Turner to score, who, by the way, hustled his butt off. Watching Turner come from second to home, never breaking stride, and they showed one angle for the cameras underneath the third base bag, that uncanny angle from the, from the dirt, and you see Turner come around third, and you think you're watching a gazelle. You can't. It's so cool to see that angle because all you see is Turner, the back of him, and he disappears. It is un, it's uncanny to watch him run and, and, and Rojas run. Rojas on the triple versus Turner. Who do you have? Man, I, I put out to my people that I think Rojas has, has a by step. On second thought, I think I'm wrong. I was wrong a lot this week. I put out a post yesterday that, that, that stopped uh, Bowman's out. I saw it on ESPN. I had to sound down. It was a conference call doing some grimly work for a change, right? And I put it out, and it was some guy's imaginary lineup, but I didn't hear or see that. And I put the post out. Thank God I went back and tracked my steps and redacted pretty quickly. But our boy Schwarber, man, I'm going to tell you what, in postseason, how about this? Most home runs ever, ever now, we're talking ever, postseason by a lefty. 19, or I'm sorry, 61 in, uh, in 19 uh, seasons, which is unbelievable. Um, yes, 19 in 61 postseason games. Got it. Check that. Self-correct. Reggie Jackson, 18, but 77 postseason. So he's plus 16 in number of games, one less. This is a nice list. Jim Tomey, 17 postseason, but 71 games. Uh, the Big Poppy, 17, 85 games. Babe Ruth, not, not, it's never a bad thing to make a list with Babe Ruth, is it? 15, 41 games. That's interesting. And Harper, 15 with uh, 45 games. So, hey, hats off to Schwerber for stepping up money time. And I was I was most impressed last night with the two walks, you know, we'll hit home runs, and the double he got in the ninth when it was clutch. That that was tough, lefty, and he stepped up, and and shut me up. So uh, I don't mind being shut up every now and then. 
So uh, the way Arizona handled that six inning with uh, the throw home, so you, you have an error. You Turner scores via an error on the throw, and Baum gets a hit on the play. Think about it. So you have a hit for Baum. It's in the box score, two hits. And you have an error charge that allows Turner to score from second. So the official score is a hit and an error, which gives one pause to say, how can the error not negate the hit? Well, because the official scorer's viewpoint of that is you can't assume an out on the play. They, they're going to tell you that they may not have been able to throw to first or tag third, and the throw home is a tough play, just like a bunt. If it's a real good bunt, you throw down the first baseline, it goes into right field, bang, bang. Normally, they'll give you a hit. You can't assume the out. But then there's an error, and Turner scores off the error, so you have a hit error. That's that. You won't see that a lot either. It was a strange game in a lot of ways. But Turner's hustle there, I have to note for the record. Uh, and um, you think at that point, that's going to be a really big run. Now, on the same play, Baum continues to run haphazardly against the best catcher in baseball right now. Right now, defensive stats is Arizona's catcher. And he throws a C to second and bombs out by 10 feet. Another stupid play. That takes that registers one more out and one less opportunity to knock the guy in from third. Was that an important run? Would we like to have another at bat, another chance to knock in that ribby? Yeah, of course. What's the final score? Six to five. So, you know, a lot of boneheaded play. I'm going to save time back here because I know I'm running a bit. Uh, so I'm not going to go through all the pitching lines. Uh, I had that prepared. I'll say this. Turner Sanchez earned more than um, into the third inning, and then you push everybody back again. So you kind of bull rush the bullpen by not letting Sanchez continue to throw there. He threw uh, first strikes. He was 10 for 11, right? And that's why he was successful. He pitches ahead. Right now, Kibrell can't pitch ahead. Uh, same thing with uh, the Kirkering kid. I was shocked to see that he earned his way into that game with three uh, uh, games in the majors and triple-double-A numbers. I was shocked to see that. I mean, you may say, well, they're out of pitchers. I would have done something with my other starters, Walker and the other cat. I would have absorbed innings differently. But first of all, I would have pushed Sanchez back. Um, I just think that we were way premature, and I thought we wasted Hoffman. But I promise you guys I don't dive in too much to – uh, bullpen success or failure because if it works, it was great. When it doesn't, it was a poor move. That's the way it's always going to be, and it's a tough spot for everybody, and I'm sure Skipper's doing his best there. I, I It didn't seem logical to me at all. Um, and there's, uh, as far as run production goes, check this out. Here's our sluggers. Right? Slug's everything. Slug is, you know, capturing not, obviously your home runs, your doubles, also your hits build up. We have right now slugging percentages. Schwarber, 632. How about how gaudy these numbers are? Turner, 838. Harper, 710. JT, 514. This is, I'm not making this up. Cassidy, 750. 
and March 593. Our slug between those six guys is 700. And look at the run production uh, at, at Arizona. There's something wrong with that. Arizona slug, one guy 640 and uh, Marino 600. That's it. End of story. So we achieve a lot of that slug, obviously, at home. Now you have to go on the road and produce those extra base hits, and you struggle. Yeah, bigger field, but it's not like we're catching a whole lot of balls right at the wall. Big game tonight. It's a pivotal game. I mean, you absolutely, is it must win? Uh, coming back to the bank, I'd say no, but you don't want to come back down because anything can happen in these postseason games. They're crazy. Arizona is pesky. They have hung around. They did come back again. I thought that game was over. I text out to a few people, you don't need that insurance run. Arizona's not going to answer. Arizona did answer. Uh, and, and there's a bunch of plays in between that we could talk about. You know, the little stuff, the micro that I, I'd love to get into, but the short show really doesn't allow. The, the, the Houston-Texas game with the 2-3 run homers and, and Altuve in the ninth, I mean, that guy in the ninth inning and – what his coach Dusty Baker said was, was kind of cool. He said, Altuve has high concentration, amazing desire, and the ability for relaxation all encompassed into one slow-the-game-down persona. And his teammates said the same. You know, when you say slow the game down, imagine all those fans screaming at you. They go into Texas and sweep by God. Imagine being in a batter's box. You have 50,000 people screaming and you're able to slow it down, concentrate, focus, and, and hit. And they threw him a changeup. Are you kidding me? And then you got the guy who hit the three-run homer for Texas getting plunked by, uh, by uh, Abreu. And Maldonado, the catcher, and Garcia start to go at it. And here come the benches. I mean, it had everything, man. It just had absolutely everything. Uh, Bruce Bocci after the game said, you know, they smoked my guy in that in that accent that he's got. Dusty throwing his cap. Dusty holding court with the umpire in chief. Verlander going absolutely insane in the dugout. Interesting observation with Verlander. I would take Wheeler in a heartbeat over Verlander. But here's a stat for you at the water cooler today. You know that Wheeler from the first inning high mile power mark to the sixth has a precipitous drop-off. We've given you those numbers. We've given you the fractions of 98 to 94, 95 on average. Verlander's first inning uh, top uh, range on the, on the gun was 96 miles an hour. In the sixth inning, he was three times 96 miles an hour. There's a, there's a bevy of pitchers I could compare to Wheeler that still maintain their pitch speed into the fifth, sixth, and seventh inning. Um, it's interesting how Wheeler kind of outthrows himself and and loses a good amount on his mile per hour and with that location. The the closer last night, he throws 93 and makes it look like it's 100. If you watch him, he's dropping down. And you know a baseball can't rise. Everybody knows scientifically that's not possible. A baseball cannot rise against gravity. It's impossible. It appears like it is because it's sailing, it's hissing. But when you drop down enough, okay, and you're almost side-arming the ball and you use your wrist in a certain manner, 
on release, you're literally throwing the ball up, almost like fast pitch softball, not quite, but you're throwing the ball with an upper trajectory. That's that's an uncanny pitch to major league hitters, and it's, it gives them fits. I mean, last night, he throws Turner, three center cut, USDA choice prime right down the middle, right down the middle, right down the heart at 93. Looked it up, verified. And, uh, and Turner... It looked like he it looked looked like it was a a mismatch with Turner, so you know it's it's an interesting point only in as much as certain deliveries uh, give major league hitters fits, and that's not something you're used to seeing. So he was uh, he he can be uh, seawalled uh, seawalled. I'm saying it correctly, yeah. So. That's pretty much what we've got. Two epic games. The Texas-Houston game, unbelievable. Houston goes in there down two and sweeps at Texas and brings it back home. Yeah, I said the other day, watch out for Houston. They're, they're going to be a tough trip. You know, Zach Allen tonight, way better at home. Have to make that point. All kinds of bad blood between Houston and Texas. Keep an eye on that. Will somebody else get plunked? You got to be careful, you know, when it's game six and seven, who you're plunking. Stay tuned. Somebody's going to get plunked for the uh, for the Garcia incident, and uh, and that's that's just going to be fascinating. So, pumped up for tonight, you know. Build your day around uh, tonight, and you got a great Eagles game Sunday. I think it's Sunday uh, with the another. Um, Another, no, they do not play Sunday. Baseball skips and plays Monday. Pick up on that run, right? Yeah, so I think we covered pretty much the important facts I missed the day before. I got some texts saying, how did you forget to say the umpires stunk? The umpires stunk the day before. Uh, it's a tough job when pitchers are coming in at 96 miles an hour in town. I'm not making excuses for them. But it is a tough job. But they they did stink, and on the check swing call, that was absolutely atrocious. So there you go. I got that in, and I think I covered uh, the various uh, texts I got. Thank you for your well wishes on feeling better. Yes, I woke up today and I'm feeling ninety five percent. Hopefully, the podcast was louder, clearer, slower, more articulate. And uh, the over-under for any podcast on how many last names I mutilate is always going to be set at four and a half. You take the over, I'll take the over, you take the under, and <laughs> we'll see who's paying who, right? So happy weekend, happy Saturday. Just enjoy the day, enjoy the weekend. God bless America. And, um, you know, yeah, prayers out. I don't want to bring the podcast down, I don't know, but prayers to uh the people uh, over in, in Gaza and everything that's going on. Um, my heart breaks for everybody. I'm following it closely. It's intolerable to watch. It's 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 impossible. Uh, the hostage situation and what's going on, and and not to cast any opinion, just the the gravity of the situation. And I look at my own situation today I'm, I'm running a podcast i'm running a business i got two grandkids i got a healthy family lovely house a puppy and and i go and choose i want i can go and freedom and you know nice dinner and I, and I don't mean to say that in any type of braggadocious manner whatsoever i'm just saying that it doesn't seem fair it really doesn't feel fair at times when you look at the uh, strife and everything that's going on abroad and uh it doesn't feel like it's modern world it feels like it's 200 years ago and um 
just God forbid and God help, man, and prayers and whatever we could do to help in some way. So, yeah, there are guys just brought the whole podcast down. But it's minute number 32, so maybe a few of you have left already. <laughs> All right, so we'll take it out. The music's never quite as good without a win, but maybe with the music we'll bring home a win. So we'll, we'll, we'll wrap, we'll ratchet up, get our boys gone. I think we win tonight, but Zach's going to be tough. A local kid, and he's he's pissed off. Don't think he didn't take the law. He got embarrassed. The boy from Eustis is going to be out tonight. Peace. Come on.